0: Fire Officer Project podcast, a show where we will discuss and learn together about topics specific to the American Fire Service. Come along as we explore areas such as firehouse traditions and culture, the fire family life, leadership, as well as getting yourself ready to be the company officer. This show is for everyone from the rookie firefighter to newly promoted officers. I'm your host, Mark McCurdy. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Fire Officer Project. This will be episode eight, and we're going to title this Command Presence Part Two. That means I got to go back and change the other one to part one, but after getting some feedback after that first episode of the Command Presence, I decided to do a second one. So I hope you enjoy. Once again, leave any comments, questions that you may have, and I'll leave you all my information at the end. All right, here we go. Episode eight, Command Presence Part Two. And you're probably going, well, part one sucks, so why would I want to listen to part two? Well, I don't know. You might want to turn it off now. But this one might be a little more interesting because after listening to it and thinking, oh, not bad, I'll push send and send it out to the world there, I got some feedback, which was constructive and great. And it was more of a constructive feedback of that when it talked about command presence, You thought maybe I was gonna go a little bit deeper onto the op side and actual incidents and things, and then when I kinda looked at it myself and went, Oh yeah, they're right. All I really did is talk about firehouse and people and demeanors and things like that. So this one we're gonna focus on operation stuff. So a little bit more fun. So I get it. It's not always fun on the other ones, but this one I took a little bit more time, kinda tore apart a few things, and I'll give you some reference points of where I started, kind of what the overall look like of what we're going to discuss. Granted, this is just scratching the surface. This could go on the rest of our careers, where we talk about command presence, leadership, being in charge. It's an art, right? So this is just some topic information. Once again, scratching the surface, we could talk about this solely for as long as we wanted. But sometimes it can get a little bit tiring. You're like you're hearing the same points over and over, but maybe I, maybe I throw a pearl or two out that that you never heard, or maybe this this time the way I say it hits you. So, what am I going to do? So on this one, we're going to talk about how do we obtain incident command presence. So everything, if you haven't listened to part one, you're not going to miss anything. You don't need to go to one to listen to this one. If you want to go back and listen to it, and then tell me and uh, send some suggestions. I'd appreciate that. But that's my overall goal. If I was to put a purpose on this one, how do we obtain incident command presence and the way I'm going to walk you through it is like I've said in the past, I literally take that information that people give me, I listen to everything I've already said, I try not to repeat it, but repetition helps, right? We always talk about muscle memory. So I shouldn't bleed too much into stuff you've already heard in one, but I'm going to hone in more on actual incidents. So We'll get to that. Overall view of what I'm talking about is we'll talk about your action and roles in structure fires, wildland incidents, MCIs, just your everyday EMS calls. And how we're going to do that is I used a framework from the book that I, or the, what do you call it, a book? It's information leading in the wildland fire service that is, you can print it off of the internet. It's, the NWCG, like I talked about last time, it's just leading the wildland fire service. I'm literally started at page four where it starts. And I'm going to frame this whole thing, not just about wildland, because the concepts kind of bleed over. But we're going to break it apart under three values, duty, respect, and integrity. And I'll set it all up and you're trying to figure out right now, like, what the hell is he talking about? How is he going to meld that all together? But I think I figured it out. And as I said in the past, I'm aware of the fact that this thing isn't clean and you can hear me breathe sometime into the microphone. I know that. I'm trying to do my best to avoid that. can only do so much, but it may sound a little bit different. I kind of changed up my operation and hopefully it doesn't sound as echoey or maybe a little bit better. So I did a few things different and it's learning every time I do a show. So anyways, so that's what we're going to talk about. This should give us plenty of topics and once again, like I've said in the past, I literally pen this stuff out. And it's amazing when uh, I'm like a morning person. So I'll get up first thing in the morning early, even when I'm at home and not having to go to work that day. Even when I have to go to work that day, I get up early. And that's just my time, my brainstorming time. It just I, I pen everything out. It looks like crap on a piece of paper. And then I come back and I number it the way I want it. And I literally write it out by hand. And that's the notes I'm referencing. I tried doing the typing thing, but it took me longer to type it and try to make it look good versus just writing it out. So every once in a while, if you hear paper shuffle, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to uh, keep it flowing without sounding like a knucklehead. So let me move this for a second. Okay, so naturally in this command presence, you're going to expect to hear about leadership. And I'm going to set it up a little bit, slightly repeat myself on the first episode about leadership, and I'm reading from this packet. It's 70, I don't know, it doesn't matter. It's a pretty easy read, like 70 pages long, on leadership and being a leader on these wildland incidents, but really, you can take it to any incident. So, in their preface, or preface, or whatever you want to call it, I'll start reading there, I'll break it up how we're going to talk about it, and then I'll just start giving you everything that I've experienced. I got a feeling I'm going to bleed into some stuff that's going to expose me. So whatever, I don't care if I wasn't, if I was afraid of that, I wouldn't do this because it's all sunshine and rainbows on Instagram and everything looks good, but I'm not going to give you all that on this. It looks cool when I send out pictures and we chub up over pictures of fires and whatever, but I'm going to give you the straight skinny on how I felt under certain things, things I'm still dealing with. And how I got to where I'm at. So, and I say this, I, 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 I hate saying I, I, but it's, I can only give you my opinion, obviously. So, once again, I got to give you the uh, warning. I may say a warning on language or a term or something that's maybe off color, but not not some racist thing. I'm just saying like something you're like, what the hell? So, when I say that, if you have sensitive ears that are listening or... You think, well, that's what L.A. County No, 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 no. Disclaimer, once again, as usual, my opinion only. This is for informational purposes. Sometimes when I get going or depending on where I put myself in a corner with exposing myself, it may come out a certain way. I think we can handle it. We deal with life and death. I don't think a few words are going to bother you, but I like to at least put that out. This is not the opinion of my department. It is just solely myself, representing myself only for educational purposes. So enough about that so uh let's see here okay so back to the preface preface of what we're setting up and this isn't my words this is from this book word packet i keep selling book but it's not i literally have it printed out an eight and a half by eleven paper but here's this concepts leadership is the art of influencing people in order to achieve a result so just think about that for a second it's the art of influencing people. That doesn't say the art of telling people what to do. Influencing. Yeah, I bet you they sat there and thought about that, so it didn't come off like they're dicks, but okay, cool. Leadership is the art of influencing people in order to achieve a result. The most essential element for success in the Wildland Fire Service is good leadership. Now, granted, they're talking about wildland. We could take that word out. Just... Read it as, the most essential element for success in the fire service is good leadership. Perfect. The Concepts in this book are universal to every person in the fire service, from first-year employee to a senior or a company officer. And that's part of what this episode's are, too. Even though I hone it towards company officers or soon-to-be, I think if you took this information now, even if you're still on probation, tuck it away somewhere and realize you have a long career, but you're already setting up yourself. on what kind of person you're, and how far are you going to go in this career and your reputation and demeanor and all that stuff is already building. So don't take it as this is only for people that want to promote or have promoted or that far down the road. I think it should come across for even the boot firefighter. So, uh, in the first, uh, previous episode, episode seven, when I talked about command presence, I read this section, but In case you haven't listened to that one, I'm going to um, just belt it out here again. Leaders often face difficult problems to which there are no simple, clear-cut, by-the-book solutions. In these situations, leaders must use their knowledge, skill, experience, education, values, and judgment to make decisions and to take or direct action, in short, to provide leadership. Basically your whole being and what did they covered everything there you have to use knowledge skill experience education values and judgment to make a decision i'm not sure what else is left that's pretty much your whole being so it takes all of you your whole body to make a decision right so as we continue this book does not state policy it cannot provide black-and-white answers to the unlimited volume and variety of situations a leader will face. Instead, this book simply outlines the broad concepts of leadership in the fire service. Fundamental concepts by which expectations of leaders may be established and performance of leaders may be judged. It is intended to make better leaders of us all. And then they uh, continue on here. For these reasons, this book is structured around our leadership values and principles as a means of communicating what right looks like and illustrating effective leadership in action. Okay, I read that and then you look at it and go, how many times was that reviewed? They hit all these buzzwords. Halfway through it, you're probably checked out because some jackass just cut you off or whatever it may be. And all you're hearing is buzzwords. doesn't necessarily line up to anything other than, yeah, I've heard all those things and that sounds cool. But that's a polished introduction. And yeah, it hits some of the things, which is great. The biggest part I got out of it was all those things that come into a factor of making decisions. All those parts that make up your being. So, how do we obtain that? And I mentioned it earlier in the beginning. Under these titles of duty, respect, and integrity. And then in this booklet, they even break it down a little bit further. What the principles are under those values. And that's kind of how I structured this. So, I'm going to reference my notes. I'm going to break it down in that order duty, respect, integrity while melding it in with operation stuff. So let me grab my stuff, get my head ready to go here, and I'll start getting it for you, getting it out for you. All right, here we go. Got my notes, got my stuff together. So, all right. Reiterating everything I've already kind of said in one sentence How do we obtain incident command presence? Here's how we're going to do it. Think about every incident potential you could be in. It's unlimited, right? We get calls for everything. doesn't matter what size of your department. It just depends on the frequency, the potential for experience that you have, how things, right? That's so big and variable depending on size departments or type of department. I'm just going to give you broad examples of calls we could probably all go on, and they're the big ones. I don't like working infrequent-style incident types, it doesn't matter. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. Those are just specific to your area. It's too hard to try to what-if all those. But pretty much everybody has structure fires they go on, have potential for MCIs of varying degrees. They probably go on medical aids. And you may or may not have wildland. A lot of areas do. Some areas don't. We have a huge part of our department is that. But you can also work in our department and never even be in an area that has brush but you can't hide from it in our department because if you put yourself out there to want to promote you may lose control of where you go for a while so to try to duck and weave i would say because i only know a little bit what southern california departments northern cal we always have fires in california they try to say it's fire season all year long pretty much so that that'll be a point that i hit but i'm not going to go into like an operations tactics thing i'm going to more talk about Where can you find yourself potentially in spots as a company officer or soon to be or acting, whatever you may be. So in structure fires, think of all the variables that you could be as a company officer or an acting one or what you're looking to obtain or what you've seen, right? You watch captains or the company officers you're around, how they operate. Well, they didn't just drop in that seat, right? Unless... You're lateraling over. Yeah, there's that concept. But for the most part, all of us start with our department and we work up the ladder. We don't just come off the street out of college and you get a company officer seat right away, right? You got to work your way up. So, what spots can you be put in? Can you be the incident commander? Sure thing. Can you be operations? Sure. And these terms might be different, but as a general ICS, I'm going to use what I know. You could be IC, you could be operations, you could be in charge of a division on a structure if it's a commercial or something huge or high rise um vent you can be in charge of ventilation could you be in charge of search and rescue could you be a group what sure of course and how about rick right we talk about it a lot but it's like you hear the brake set from the crew when you get assigned rick uh, poof, the hell it's an important thing so let's take it and, and take it seriously and i'll break that down more mcis there's a numerous type of setup that can be an mci plane crash um, active shooter, car accidents, whatever it may be, chemical, hazmat, you, you can have that potential, right? So you just need to have a framework of how you're going to operate. Don't just wait for that day to happen because I'll tell you it's going to suck if you're not somewhat ready. And then wildland, that's a big thing, right? Even oh, Let me go back. Even on the MCI, right, you could be in charge of a triage group. You could be the IC. You could be operations, triage unit leader, treatment unit leader, Uh, ground ambulance coordinator, all these terms, right? So who the heck knows where you could end up? So you got to get yourself ready for that. And I try to tell people all the time, just get yourself ready for the big ones. The crazy ones that have some really crazy intricate things usually have specialty equipment to kind of help you. But don't start there. Start on these big ones first. And that's kind of common sense, but what I mean is take it in small bites and just try to get yourself organized with it. In the wildland arena... What can you be? You could be IC. You could be operations. You could be in charge of a whole division. Um, You could be in charge of developing a hose line on a flank. Uh, You could just be a person that plugs in and is a worker bee. You you don't know where you're going to end up, right? So you got to be ready and understand each position a little bit. And where are you going to learn it? OJT a lot of the times. Maybe you take some classes, yeah, but until you get that first IA, initial action type fire where you're getting those spots, it's difficult to learn until you get in those positions. I was fortunate enough to be in a spot where I got to do that pretty frequently and believe me, I screwed up and I'll, and I'll most likely expand on that as I go where those things were and then realizing it just takes time and experience. So how kind of, I'm going down my notes here so I got to make sure I capture everything. So as I said, now prep yourself now for these big incidents. Um, Granted, you may not have control of it as far as you can't get to a certain station in your department or wherever it may be, or how it works, or moving around. Or maybe you don't have those options, or maybe they don't happen that frequently, so your experience level is going to take a bit to be exposed to it enough times to start building in that experience. Well, maybe sometimes you have the potential, but you don't have the frequency. Can you find somebody at another department, or if you have friends at another department, go pick their brain or go sit with them for a day? Depends how far you want to go into getting yourself ready. You could go to another department or another part of your department, even if you're not assigned there, and just be, "Hey, can I come over for a little while?" And either ride along, ride along. You're right, you're working in your own department, but you know what I mean. Observe, get experience from them, talk to them. Does it have to be at work? Hell no. It could be off duty, having a beer. Just make sure you put yourself out there and try to understand if you wait for every time that you're just going to wait for an incident to happen, the frequency of it or the potential of it, it's not the time to start learning. Like for the first time, OJT in it, you need to at least have some of it checked off in your head. All right. So remember, I don't know why I tell you remember all the time. It's just me trying to fill. It's like saying at this time, <sighs> right on a dispatch or whatever it may be. Okay. Okay. Be the student before being the teacher. No kidding. You got to learn what you need to do before you can start telling other people. And what I mean by that is, if you don't have the experience, you think people can't see through you, they can. You think they haven't done research? So basically, don't try to snow people on something that you don't know. Because you're probably good at something else that they may not know. Be truthful. If you're going to promote early, and I'm, I'm a, I don't know if I frustrate people with this, but if you're going to promote early, just know that people know you promoted early. And I mean, early, like with our department, you can take the test four and a half years, promote at five. If you have the stuff that allows you to pass with the written test and your experience or classes or whatever it may be projects that you've done, you could be a five-year captain with no previous experience. That's can happen and does happen in, our, in my current department and other departments from people that I've spoken with. So just know that's fine. Whatever whatever works for you. Because like I've said in the past, if you're going to be on this pre- trajectory that you're going to be the chief, probably got to compress your time in certain ranks. Just don't try to to BS people because they can tell when you're lying or tell when you're not so good or when does it come about on an incident where you keep crap on the bed on the same type incidents. So. Be humble enough to go, oh, that sucked. Let me get a little, let me help on this. So so basically what I'm saying is don't fake it. We all have something to offer. So as an example, I don't know if I mentioned in here or not before, but I have a big thing with a group of guys that I worked with at a certain station where we learned a ton about elevators. And I like to offer that to people, but I usually don't say anything until it's either gotten brought up or somebody knows, or I go on a call and do something and people are like, Hey, how come you know that little bit? And I explain it, but I also do like teaching it. So now I'm in a different role, right? I can't be humble where I'm like, let me just wait. And then don't ever tell my crew that I know a little bit about something. So, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you're going to be weaker in one and really strong in something else. So just when the time fits interject your ability and then, get from somebody else your experience that you can get from them and this is a bounce back forth thing right so what are these principles i was talking about so now that i've set it up enough let me actually get to the meat and potatoes here what i'm talking about with this duty respect and integrity so in this book of leading in the fire service or leading in the wildland fire service they have this little chart and under values it says duty and next to that is the principles Be proficient in your job, both technically and as a leader. Make sound and timely decisions. Ensure tasks are understood, supervised, and accomplished. Develop your people for the future. Okay, cool. Got some good points. I kind of took that, and we could spend all day on that. But I kind of went and said, okay, on the duty side, what is all those things that I just mentioned? Where do they apply in real life? Or how does that work instead of just being a polished little chart that somebody looked at and then tweaked? and then put out as a uh, a reference material. All right, so let's see here. Be proficient in your job, both technically and as a leader. Okay, well, how do you become proficient in your job as a leader? You just, it takes time. You got to have some idea and some framework to stand on, and then it's just time. Getting exposed to all different things, whether it's public, firehouse, operations, incidents, this takes time. I've been fortunate enough now... Um, Uh, coming up on eh, almost six years as a captain. So you think I haven't fallen on my face plenty and I'll tell you, and I'll expose myself on some war stories here about what that felt like and what it was like to do certain things. So we'll get there. Let me just keep this. Your training is going to take over. I think or feels like it does on incidents where you're stressed or need to make a decision right away. But if you don't have it to rely on or fall back on, how do you think your performance is going to be? I think you already know this, but you got to, right? You just got to train yourself up. You hear it all the time. Train, train, train. We know that we could always train more than we actually do. Uh, some places go hardcore all the time. And then some places are just rolling the dice and you know, they kind of suck because they're just getting through the day. And do they get a reputation? You bet You bet they do. Is it fair to say that everybody that works at that station should have that same reputation? No. Does it sometime happen? Yes but that's here nor there. I can't control that. (sighs) All right. Let me think here. Okay. So there's going to be times their next point, make sound and timely decisions. All right. I kind of break this down a second here. Know when to ask the crew questions and get their opinion on something and when to just give the order. Right? So it's not always a democracy and I have, If you go back to previous episodes, I talk about expectations and SOPs and SOGs, and I kind of lay out a light framework and lineup, especially when I have somebody working on our crew that doesn't necessarily normally work with us, or I'm working at another station and they don't know me. I kind of ask them for a little bit of information about their area or district, some specialties they may have, kind of how they operate, and then I I absorb that. We have a back and forth conversation of, okay, here's kind of my framework, SOP, SOGs. That's just a loose structure, right? But also, we'll always give them the, if there's something special in your area or something that gets done a certain way, please tell me. I don't get hurt feelings. I'd rather know that information and do my job than to try to be guessing and then being completely off. If there's somebody there, I just had this the other day. I worked with a senior firefighter who's been out for almost 30 years. Been at this one station for quite a while. And the first call that we went on, we needed to land an air squad on an LZ or landing zone area. That's not on my little app thing. It was right at eight o'clock. So I'm thinking, looking at this on the way to the call, I knew I probably would need a copter. So let me look at the LZ. I live in the area, so I kind of know where they are anyway, but he goes, oh no, for this, we use this. Awesome. Thank you. You want that information, obviously. Sometimes guys are dicks and they're like, nope, I'm in charge. I will make all decisions, whether I'm right or wrong. But, where you can get yourself in trouble is when you constantly ask the crew for their opinion. What do you think that does to your credibility? You can't, I mean, it's okay to ask those type things, but in an incident driven thing where you need to make a decision, that's what you're getting paid for. You don't think they're saying, Hey, that's why you're wearing the orange helmet or the red helmet or whatever it says, captain or whatever it says on your shield. That's what you need to do. We are following you as the leader. There's times where I will explain it to the crew too, especially in a dynamic situation. So say as a structure fire, for instance, I'll let them know, Hey, on an incident, I want to do this. Um, I'll give you a little bit of direction. Not that I don't think you know what you're doing, but I want to make sure we're on the same page. If you see something hazardous and dangerous, please tell me, I don't care if you tell me five times, but I'm not going to ask your opinion on what hose line do you think, or where should we go? unless I'm way off base, like completely off base, I don't expect them to have a democracy and be like, well, I think this, and we're standing there with our thumb up our ass and having a discussion. There's times where it's like, that's the order. I want it done as long as it's safe. If you see something that's unsafe, please tell me. Otherwise, I'll see you at the front door, get your stuff. So you have to balance that out. It's not being a dick, it's being in charge and making a decision. That's what you're there for. You have the experience, the time, you're in that position for a reason. You didn't just get handed to it, whether you snowed people or whatever to get in that position, but it's going to come to the surface. So do a self-reality check and realize where you're weak and where you're not. And like I said, sometimes it's not always a democracy. And it's funny because I've heard a recent a couple of recent stories in my own firehouse where said individual is stating how they went on a patrol strike team. So it's just him and a, and a captain in a vehicle and... Usually on a wildland incident, it's kind of like a utility pickup truck with a pump and all this stuff. It's nothing. It's not a fire engine. It's a type six. If you're into that, it's a patrol and there's five of them with a captain and a firefighter and they go as a strike team. Well, this firefighter was telling me about how everything that was happening, the captain was asking him his opinion. And then finally he said, you know what? You're the captain. Tell me what you want me to do. When you get to that point, you failed. Okay, so try not to get there. Like I said, there's going to be times to ask your crew, get opinions, check in with them. And there's times where you need to take your position seriously and make the damn decision. I don't think I need to beat it up anymore, but good enough, right? So if I'm way off base, please, at the end, I'm going to give you all my information. You can tell me you're an idiot and maybe that's why you don't have many friends because you think that or whatever, maybe I'm open. I don't care. You tell me what, maybe I'm off base, but if I'm on base, I don't mind you telling me that too. So we can, I can make sure I'm not a complete mess. All right. So ensure tasks are understood, supervised and accomplished. All right? Well, that's pretty straightforward, but what I mean by that is is gather the information that you need. So you're on a big dynamic incident or a wildland fire or a big commercial fire Something that's not as quick as a room and contents, one-line stretch, search, ventilation, cut one hole, punch through on a 1,500-square-foot house or maybe bigger, set up rick, figure out overhaul, and you're out of there. I'm talking something a little more complex. You need to gather all that information and disseminate it clearly to your crew with clear directions and complete instructions that they received it and you got it. Cause that's going to minimize risk. That's going to minimize the usual problem where comms get screwed up, right? Not necessarily not talking on the radio, just the intention of what needs to be done. That builds confidence from your crew into you that they kind of know like, all right, he's gathered the information, processed it. He's given me the directions clearly as what I need that builds confidence in your team. But remember, you can't ask them to do something you're not willing to do yourself or won't, can't, or won't do. So what do I mean? If you're asking them to climb up a hill on a wildland incident, and put in smoky pa- power, <sighs> I'm thinking too uh, locally. Put a hose line in that division or up that flank, and you're 100 pounds overweight, I'm not knocking you. What I'm saying is just be aware of it and do something about it. Or maybe you're not in the best cardio shape. They're skinny fat guys. Whatever. You're not in cardio shape. You know what I'm saying? You can't ask them to do something that you can't physically do or won't do. And you can try it. It's just not going to last very long. And you need to supervise them, but not micromanage them. And sometimes that is very hard to do because you need to detach yourself somewhat from physically doing a lot of things. unless Unless you're needed, just because they're doing it a different way than you would do it doesn't mean it's wrong. And it's not going to get them from point A to B. As long as they're doing it safely, let them spread their wings. And sometimes it's hard to bite your tongue. If you need to give them a little guidance and direction because they're all over the place and they just happen to be doing the right thing, but you can tell it's because they're just guessing, then make it an educating point. But if you're constantly bowling over them, then they're basically going to get to the point where they'll say, you know what, just tell me everything exactly what you want. And that basically sucks because you got to stand there and tell them every little detail. You don't want that. You want it to be where you're teaching them and mentoring them to spread their own wings and handle something. You can should be able to give them direction, go do something, come back and make sure they're good and check in on them. That's the goal you're trying to somewhat get to. Unless it's something really high hazard where you need to be close to them at all times to make sure that nothing happens. You know, you should get to that point. All right, well, let me see here. All right, so let's see. Um, another phrase I have in here. You got to give it to the crew straight. And what I mean is no fluff or BS. If you need to do a task that basically sucks ass because it's 100 degrees and you need to put in a pack or we need to deploy a 1,000 feet of hose down here or we're going to sit on this side of the structure because of this commercial fire and we're going to do whatever, just give it to them straight. And I'll tell them, hey, this is going to suck, but I'm going to be there with you and here's what we need to do. We need to go from here to that ridge we're going to probably take 10 packs we're going to be working with this crew here's where we need to get to here's kind of the time frame here's how fast or dynamic it may be if it's not then here's how we're going to combat that yeah it's going to suck but we're going to make sure we got all our uh, hydration packs and water and snacks and we're going to put it in and we're not going to complain and here's why we're going to do it now if it's complete abuse of the crew you're going to have a tough time with that. But for the most part, does that happen? Not too often. So I, d- I just tell them. And one thing I learned from one of my captains was on things, certain incidents, they would say, here's what we need to accomplish. Here's about the time frame we have to do it. This is what it should look like. All right, go. And that has stuck with me as I was being mentored by other captains as a young firefighter engineer and now as a um as a captain myself on just explaining that is huge because when you have times where you're just working you don't know how long you're going to work for what it needs where we're going to whatever it's difficult to keep your mind in check and not start wandering or start getting pissed so when i can and i'm not talking about some dynamic incident that everybody knows like okay we need to put water on the fire no kidding i'm talking about these bigger things and you've all seen it or been there So I always try to explain as much as I can. Checking in with them, explaining. You copy? Good. All right. But then I'm also right there with them. I'm not going to say, hey, we need to go up here and do this. And I'll I'll be over here talking to the other uh, captains and pretending like I'm doing something or leaning on a tool. That's not going to be me. Maybe one day it will be. Maybe if I physically am having a tough time or getting close to the end of that career. But I'm trying to avoid that as much as I can. My, My goal is to work as hard as I do now until I retire. Hopefully that pans out. So maybe not as fast, but to have that mindset. Um, Under this whole duty, uh, let's see, what is it? Develop your people for the future. Okay, so everything that you do, they're learning from you. And on those times where we're just talking about and we're doing some hard labor or some work and it's not immediate, then I find avenues to mentor or explain or You know, when I can, I don't do it all the time. So if you think that I'm like constantly feeling like I need to mentor people or I need to tell them how cool I am, I don't do that. Small little blips here and there of something that will help them with also telling myself like, hey, I didn't know this, but this is what was shown to me. Oh, okay, cool. So, and that's all positive, right? And I want to just remind everybody, so beware that you don't pass on negativity. If it's a crappy assignment It's a crappy assignment. You tell them, like, this sucks. I would have much rather been over here doing this, but eh, we got the short end of the stick. But if it's complete obvious abuse of the crew or something that is total bullcrap, you're probably going to have to say something to your next in line supervisor. But obviously not in front of the the troops. Not in front of your uh, subordinates. You might have to, and let me give you an example. We were on a wildland fire, pretty big incident. We had been on shift for, we were an hour from getting released off the line. We had been on the line for 24 hours, almost. And they gave us an assignment, 6 o'clock in the morning, to go on this green belt behind some houses and cut a line around it. Well, I think the trainee for that division looked at it, but didn't get the whole picture and thought, oh, this will only take an hour. Well, they were way off base. It was about four times as big as they thought it was, the piece. And we started doing it. It was complete bull crap. I feel like we were getting abused. And I say that because I had been the captain for a couple years. And and when the term was, because I said so, was used from this division trainee, that's where you better put your uh, antenna up and be like, hold on a second. You can flex all you want because you have those qualifications and I'm working for you and cool, but... If you're just straight being an asshole, okay. Some people will take it and then just pass it on to the crew and just not say anything. Sometimes you need to get with your supervisor and be like, chief, or whatever it may be. This is my opinion. Get with the other captains. Talk with the chief. In reality, you don't do it in a group setting. It's not a group decision. If your supervisor tells you this is what we're going to do, okay. No problem. But... Even if, even if you walked over and just let your crew see that you went and talked to him and you just asked the chief like, hey, where are we going for breakfast? And it looks like you're doing something, like you're acting it out. They'll never know. I'm not saying do that. Stand up for your crew. And if it's bullcrap, it's bullcrap. And you say something respectfully. But it goes a long way when the crew thinks you're fighting for them, Right. And if you come back and go, hey, it is what it is. We need to make it work. And you build back into, take your frequent breaks, hydrate, get food. We'll be out of here. I understand it sucks. This is what we're being tasked with to do. Boom. There's nothing you can do sometimes. And you can tackle it later. But if you try to cover all those bases, you're doing the best you can, my opinion only. But if I'm way off base, like I said, I'll give you my information. You can tell me and we can have a discussion. But from previous experience, that seemed to have worked. All right, so I think we beat up the uh, duty section enough, and uh, obviously there's more you can compound off of that, and we could talk for the rest of our career about stuff like that. But this is just some points that I've experienced or think that is important, and whatever, just passing it on. So the next category, respect. Know your people and look out for their well-being. Keep your people informed. Build the team, employ your people in accordance with their capabilities. All right. I, I think I'll cover most of those, but that's this polished chart opinion, which is good. All good topics, but kind of vague, right? So let's expand on it a bit. Where are we at? Know your people and look out for their well-being. All right. I just had this recently happen. And it's going to happen too. So we work for a big department. You're going to work in overtime somewhere that you've maybe never worked. And with some people you may never work with again, that's like the biggest odd scenario you could be in an area you have no idea about a station you've never been to with a crew you've never worked for or worked with, and you know, nobody, right? It's pretty much the extreme. Well, if you don't know during lineup, you need to ask basic stuff from your crew, find out what they know, what's their background. You just have to. Now, do you have to do it at a lineup? Because sometimes that can lead into like long lineups and people don't need to hear other people's stories that have worked together. Then you better as quick as you can, maybe during PT time or workout, like just start asking questions then. Hey, what have you done? What'd you do before you got hired? Or where have you worked? Or what's unique about this area? Those type questions. Because you need to understand, you probably have, you could have some people that have some really great experience that are humble and won't say a word. And then you get on an incident and you don't know it and you're not aware of it, which maybe they don't tell you. And then you get a task on an assignment and then somebody goes and goes, hey, you know, so-and-so knows how to, is a faller or whatever, can drop a tree or has this elevator experience, whatever it may be. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's fine. You're not going to know everything, right? And now I'm not saying everybody's going to divulge everything they know to you. But when you have those specific things and that's cool, but you also need to find out what's their skill level. They may have nothing. And where this comes from is a recent strike team I was sent on, kind of a mellow assignment for February, and we're getting sent out on a strike team. Okay, 7.45 in the morning. Our shift starts at 7. So I was already just getting my gear in. I'm working in overtime at another station, in my battalion though. But I got to drag all my crap in, put it on the rig, check out the rig, put everybody on duty, do my morning staffing stuff. And phone call came from dispatch. Hey, you're going out on this strike team. Oh, great. So I don't know these people, right? I know them a little bit, but they're uh, two probationary firefighters and a probationary engineer. Okay. My plan was to ask them what experience they had at lineup. Well, that's gone. We need to get our stuff on the rig and get out and meet at this rally point and do all this other stuff. So I got time though when we're driving. So I asked him, what's your experience? What's your experience? Okay. Probationary firefighters. Yeah, no problem. But I had one guy who worked at another department for eight years with an experience level of what we were being tasked with to do. That was pretty good. And I had another one that had no experience. Okay. I had a newer person who was a newer engineer, but was trained up and took pride in learning their job and was pretty confident in driving the type three, um, four-person engine that we are taking to this uh, strike team. Cool. Perfect. But I have to ask them, okay, what's your experience? All right. Here's the intel I have currently. We're going to meet it here. We're going to be, so far, this is the intel I have. When we get there, I'll get all the information, and I'll disseminate it to you as well. Prior to all that, you have to have their bench interest in mind. You come to work, uh, that day, I wasn't expecting to be gone on a strike team. It's February in Southern California. Can we have fires at any time? Sure. Brush fires usually, right? That we're going to get sent out on a strike team. Sure. Wasn't a hundred percent on my radar that it could happen, but I always think it's going to happen. So I always bring all my stuff, strike team bags and all my stuff. So I have it with me. That part was good, but already I'm thrown off guard by like, ah, oh, I was planning on going home tomorrow. Cause I needed to go. Didn't need to, but I wanted to go to my daughter's softball game and this and that. And right. It throws in a wrench like, ah, oh, damn. We could be gone for, technically on that type of apparatus, you'd be gone for three weeks, up to. Uh, So I didn't think that was going to happen, but you're like, oh, probably won't be home tomorrow. Okay. Well, you need, before you take off, you need to talk to your crew really quick and make sure they're good. They don't have something going on at home. What what if a guy's wife or significant other, whatever it may be, is going to have a baby in two days, and now you're going to drag them out on this, and they're already in panic mode. Well, you need to know that. So you got to do a check with them really quick. Like, everything good to go? Are you good to go for this extended time? Do you have everything you need? Yep, I'm good. Uh, or they tell you some dire thing they got going on. Well, you better work quick to get that problem fixed. But you kind of see what I'm talking about, right? So you got to check in with them. You can't just expect them to throw their crap on the rig and take off, and you're not aware of some major thing that could happen or that they have going on. So... Try to do a quick check on your crew. Make sure they're where they need to be. Give them as much information as you have currently. And then prep them on the way to the incident. Kind of just divulging what you have, what their experience level is. You know, you got it. I'm just starting to repeat myself. So, um, what else do I have here? All right. If they tell you something that, yes, they can do it, but this is going on or whatever, keep that in the back of your mind remind them that you haven't forgotten make them aware of you need to f- help fix whatever problem they have like, what if a guy said oh i forgot all my socks well okay at some point you're gonna have to find a way to get that person's socks you can't let that go over your head all right so that's just it's an example but it may not be the best but whatever what if the person forgot to put them in their bag and they took off okay at some point you're gonna have to make something work to get them that and then but you gotta remind them like hey i haven't forgotten I'm going to make it work. We don't have time right yet, but I haven't forgotten about you. You're constantly, not only do you got to take care of yourself and the incident, everything you got three or four other people you're responsible for that you're trying to keep going. Because to me, if they don't have what they need to function properly and be in the right mindset, it's going to be difficult for them to produce and perform for you at their hundred percent level. All right. So, You give them that ability to, or you're taking care of them and you give them the ability to perform, right? So they're going to do their job. You handle what you need to handle. You've given them all the information. You've set them up for success. You've given them the orders. They've uh, understood them and given them back to you. Okay, we know what we do. do. Well, give them the ability to perform. Like I said earlier, it may not be the way you want to do it or the way you think it should be done or in the time frame. But they got to learn, too. So obviously, if it's something new, it's going to take them a little bit longer to make that happen. So let them perform for you. Let them do their job. Basically, shut the F up. Let them do their job. If it's a disaster and they're all over the place, then reset them, straighten them out, maybe explain what you need, show them, whatever it may be, and then let them do it. The biggest thing I've learned, especially on wildland fires, is they take forever. It's not as quick as single-family dwelling house fire that we knock down, we do overhaul, we have a plan and everything, and we're done in a couple hours or whatever it may be. Bigger incidents take a lot longer, a lot slower to turn the ship. But you keep chunking away and handling your tasks, it's going to get accomplished. So, Let me go back for a second and give you a personal example of being in the right mindset trying to stay focused um you may not have had that experience yet as far as maybe a strike team or doing something or being at work for multiple days when you have stuff going on but um i was fairly new captain not even a year no now yeah, a little over a year whatever not long and we had an incident out here the thomas fire it was out in ventura Ventura County, city of Ventura area. And we, I was working in the north region of our department on a strike team engine, but call came in about 11 PM and it was for the truck, the truck company that's at our station. And we're in quarters. And normally we get all the primary calls if it's a medical. And I thought, oh man, I forgot to put myself in quarters or wasn't answering the radio or Mm -hmm. something. And they gave it to the next available resource. Well, get up out of bed and they say, Um, I tell our dispatch like, oh, sorry, we're available. Can you give us that run? And they said, negatives, you're going on a strike team. And so that was like, "Uh oh, and we had known that this fire had started in Ventura, but I didn't think it was going to get to us. We're a third priority strike team has to be pretty big if we're getting hit on this. So, um, long and short, I, uh, had a crew of a brand new boot. It was day one. Been on the floor just over 12 hours and one that had been on for four months. So I got a, two probationary firefighters. Um, I was slated to go. This is early December 2017. I was slated to go home the next morning or so somewhere around there and, and head off to Vegas to go with the wife and some friends to go see a couple of concerts and and uh, that appeared that it wasn't going to be happening. So we were immediate need, needed to go right to the incident, and there was a lot going on. That was my first challenging, big challenging incident as a company officer. Such a dynamic incident. We were told to meet, just get on the road and get out there, assemble up with our rest of our strike team and a chief, and then we'd be put to work. And that's exactly what happened. It's crazy because I was looking at my phone to look at the photos and try to get this story right before I put it out here and I have a picture from that day of a small fire that we went on a mattress got stuck under a semi-truck on the freeway so the brand new guy got to put that out and it was a small little fire no big deal and then my next picture from that day on my phone is us driving on the highway and all the hills on fire in Ventura and then my next picture after that is video of us pulling into our neighborhood with multiple houses on fire so pretty dynamic day, good experience, not good for residents and all the destruction that came from it. But where am I going with this? I'm not talking about the opsing. It's the mindset thing. I was supposed to go to Vegas, right? So yeah, whatever. We miss things. The problem with this one is it was two months after the route 91 shooting and I was there with my wife and that's a whole nother story. And This was the first time going back two months after we were going to go back, try to put it behind us, not let fear take us over. And I wasn't going to be there. So how do you think my mindset and everything was right? I had that playing in my head. I had to stop and because we're still dealing with the stress of that October. And now I'm thinking I'm going to be gone for weeks. She's going to go. I didn't want her to not go because she was going with a group of friends that I trust and would take care of her. But those times, it was extremely stressful for me. Not only dealing with being a new captain, limited experience with a couple of the members on the rig, it's just stressful, right? you got to be in the right mindset. And that was a tough one to get over, but I had to do it. And so that's where I'm pretty sensitive to it, and I make sure I, I remind I. Reminded of that constantly every time we go out to check with the crew to make sure there isn't anything on the horizon or anything that's bothering them or something that needs to get handled before they take off. Or maybe I need to switch out crew members just because I've had that pretty big extensive experience. And I'm not going to talk about it here because we're already pretty far into this episode. I'll save those two stories and maybe that Route 91 and a couple other big incidents I've been on for a... I mean, loosely titling it mental health, but I'll save that down the road. And maybe one day it'll just be a vent session for me. And I'll lean on you guys to let me just tell my story. So, But anyways, that's where I get that whole mindset and respect thing. And then throughout that time, you're constantly checking in with the crew. So whether it's a structure fire that we're there for a couple hours and then we go about our day and we still continue the shift small grass fire, a car fire, whatever it is. Every time after we pick up, I make sure the engineer has everything they need. We've got water. Everything's put back. They're good. Then I check with the firefighters to make sure that everybody's good. There's no injuries. All the equipment was good. And it's kind of like just checking in and making sure they're okay. I don't just get on the rig and be like, all right, I'll do the next thing. Granted, there are those days, but when it's just a regular, okay, from this incident to that, I always check in and make sure, are they good? Nobody's injured. Nobody's hurt. That kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I uh, drop in on that as far as checking in with the crew. And that pretty much wraps up the respect. Was that what it was called? Yeah, respect. So we've gone through duty, respect. Now we're going to hit on this last piece, integrity. Integrity, know yourself and seek improvement. Seek responsibility and accept responsibility for your actions. Set the example. Okay. Pretty straightforward. There isn't a ton I need to say on this, but I'll give my opinion on a couple things. Seek responsibility and seek improvement. Okay, so know yourself and seek improvement. Well, we're already doing that, right? You're listening to this. Doesn't mean I can give you a ton, but maybe you pick up one or two pearls. A book you might be reading, one or two pearls. Having a mentor or just watching other people. You get that. You're already seeking to improve yourself. I basically think if you're listening to something like this or you've gone to classes, you're already on that track. Nobody has to explain to you how to do that. But seek responsibility. Now that's different. Putting yourself out there. That's the part where there's some tasks that need to be done and nobody's really stepping up and you volunteer and cause you want to put yourself in that challenge in your crew, or you know your crew's capable of it, or there's somebody you have some expertise that can handle a certain thing, you just put yourself out there. You're motivated to put it out there. And in an instance, sometimes you're kind of like allowing your crew to show off a bit. Even though firemen don't show off, you're just giving them the ability to exercise that experience that they have. Now, do you want to do it all the time where you jump on every assignment and put your crew to work constantly? Mm, probably not, right? But if you have some go-getters, why hold them back? If they like doing certain things, jump on that and say, "We'll we'll take that. Because one of two things happens. One, it lets you get your crew out there and let them work. And sometimes when you do that, you get the better assignments. When you stand there on your hands and sit on your hands and don't make a decision, you're probably going to get the crappy assignments. So when I can, I try to interject and say, we'll take that one. Or can we have this? I got this person who can handle this. We would be perfect for that. But I also don't throw my crew under the bus constantly. If it's just kind of some mundane stuff or whatever, and we're all kind of doing the same thing, I'll give other people the opportunity to jump forward all the time. I don't jump on out there all the time, but more so than not, I do. Because I like to somewhat control what assignment we have if we have that option. Now, granted, structure fire, you don't, right? It's how you come in and and who gets what assignment and everything. That's a little bit different. But on some other assignments, maybe where you have the option, I try to seek out the responsibility, so... Otherwise, I just do what I'm told as far as roles on a structure fire because it's dynamic and you have to have that discipline. And at the end, I'll talk about that a little bit more. So let's see. You're setting the example. You're setting the example for the people that work for you that, you know, they work hard when they need to and do you need to tell them sometimes or do they learn from you? You bet. You're constantly setting the example. So. Remember, you're always mentoring, whether you're purposely doing it or not. You're always, every time you put yourself out there or do something or show up and how you handle and conduct yourself, especially as a company officer, you're mentoring people for the future, or you're at least showing them what right looks like if you're doing it right, which most of us are, right? There's some squirrels out there that are freaking off their rocker, but... For the most part, people are doing things right because they want to, and they have all those things, duty, respect, integrity, or whatever core values you want to say that there are those buzzwords. You know what I'm talking about. So in a nutshell, if I had to think about everything that we're talking about here and all these episodes, not all these episodes, I only had eight, but some of the things I'm talking about, what are you doing? First off, we're trying to make ourselves better. And we're learning, and then as you continue on, depending on how long you stay in that rank or you move up or whatever it may be, ultimately what are we doing? We are teaching the people that are working for us how to replace you. You're teaching the people how to basically take your job from you. And once that happens, it's time to push them in the right direction to get them to that, or at least do the best to your ability to show them what that looks like and you're and i'm not saying it's only on one person but if you take a vested interest in somebody or they take a vested interest in learning from you you need to keep pushing them as far as you can until they basically can just do your job for you and replace you that's how i look at it and then they move on and you kind of wear it like okay yeah whether they tell other people or not that they were your mentor or whatever. And I'm going to push that out there soon on my Instagram thing, some of my mentors and, and start putting those things out. I'm trying to get better with putting more stuff out physically. And um, as far as pictures and ideas and things like that. So it's not just relying on this show, but all right. So in review, yeah, I've said all these things about duty, respect, integrity, and giving you all these scenarios and everything. But the main thing I said at the beginning was, is how do you obtain incident command presence on anything? Brush fire, structure fire, MCI. Well, we talked about it briefly as far as how to make yourself get there and experience and educating yourself, and being mentored and being the mentor and all that. But how does that person know, or how do you look like you know what you're doing, or how do you speak? speak on the radio and people are like, yep, that person's in charge. Or how do you come up with the plan to overhaul, do the investigation of the structure fire, put everything the way it needs to be, exactly how it should be done and what right looks like? Well, it's experience. But if you listen to Command Presence Part 1, I I, uh, put out these three topics in that setting. Look sharp, act sharp, and be sharp. So let's tie that into this. Even on an incident, on a command, on operations, you got to look sharp. Therefore, you're in the appropriate attire that you need to be in for that incident. You're not just half-assing it and just doing whatever and you're ready to go, meaning you look sharp, you're, meaning not that you look decked out and awesome and you have all these gadgets and bull crap hanging off you that you don't need, what, whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you look like you're ready to go to work as soon as you step off the rig. It isn't get an assignment and then, oh, hold on, let me get dressed and let me do this and I'm not on the right channel for the comp plan or I'm not on this channel or I'm not answering the radio or you're not paying attention. You gotta look sharp too. You gotta act sharp. I'm kind of bleeding over into act sharp, but acting sharp, knowing how to operate your radio, getting yourself all dialed in and ready to go. And then being sharp, that's making decisive actions and decisions and go into work. How do you get there? Experience. How do you get the experience? Do the best you can as far as putting yourself out there. I'm telling you, as many times as I've said this on the other shows, prepared to feel uncomfortable. The only way you are feeling uncomfortable is putting yourself out there, and you're going to fall on your face, and you're going to say dumb crap on the radio, and whatever it may be, I've got stories up the ass about that, about me saying the wrong thing, or what? what? What did I just say? And as you're saying it, you can feel like you're going off the rails. It's like practice and practice and practice and staying at busy places as best you can and trying to put yourself in that scenario and just getting put in those situations is going to do so much for you more so than any knucklehead like myself or anybody standing in front of a classroom is going to make you feel like you know what you're doing. That's nonsense. I can make you feel like empowered. Maybe I don't. But you, you get it. You've been to those classes, right, where those people make you feel empowered, and you're like, I can do that. And then you go to do it, and you crap the bed. Well, you got to be sharp by going and doing it. That's just all there is. So you may have held on this long, and you're like, that's it? That's all you got for me? But I think you understand. Look sharp, act sharp, be sharp. All the things that we talked about earlier today, and you just have that aura about you, that awe, whatever it may be, the way you handle incidents and ultimately what I'm constantly trying to shoot for is whatever piece of apparatus I'm on, or you look at the par sheet that the chiefs have that they look at who's on what company that day and who's working where I constantly want them to look and see my name and my crews and know that whatever happens that day, they can give us and we will handle without question. Am I perfect at everything? Hell no. But They have the ability to know and have trust in you based on your constant and consistent correct decisions, asking questions, all the stuff that builds up every day to these incidents. That they know when they give you an incident or an assignment, you're going to handle it. And if you don't know, you're going to make it figured out. And you're not going to come to them with 50,000 questions and no solutions and bitch and complain and don't have a plan. You better have a plan when you come back if you don't know what the hell you're doing or ask and have somewhat of an idea, right? There's a thing. You can't just complain. You can't just throw it up in the air and complain. But I can keep going off sideways here, but I don't want to do that. All I'm saying is you can understand what I'm saying. I want to be the person that my crew does who, when they see us come around the corner, that's who they're waiting for or that's who they can't, you know, they can't wait to give you the damn assignment, Because they're waiting for you to get there to make this problem go to bed. That's the ultimate goal. So, I hope you got something out of this. Command presence two, three, four, five, whatever the hell it's going to be. I'll figure it out. But I think with those two or with these two coming out, if you guys can hit me up and let me know what you think. Maybe I'm way off base. Maybe I have some overinflated ego that I think I'm cooler than I am. But it's also sparking great conversation. I say that, but I also am confident in my ability for the most part, right? I'm not an expert at anything, but I do feel comfortable handling certain things. But that is time. I'm literally coming up on six years as a captain. It goes like that. It's freaking crazy. But I've had a lot of people help me, as you're going to hear me say constantly. And I've put myself in those busy spots, and I'm a student of this job. This position, this career, the whole time I've gotten to just get to this point was being a student. So, if you feel like communicating and going back and forth and giving me ideas and just having conversation, I did notice, maybe I can only see it on my side, that my phone number is attached to the Instagram thing. And it says, I think it has a box now, it says you can text. So, feel free to text me through that box on the Instagram. If it doesn't, send me a message. The Instagram account is the fire officer project all written out like that, all type, no space, no dashes, no nothing. The Fire Officer Project. That's the Instagram. The email is thefireofficerproject at gmail.com. It's linked into the bio. So if you need something, push on that. You can send me an email. It should link right to it. Um, and then I'm blasting out these few things. I'm looking at buying certain equipment. So if you have opinions on equipment that I can buy or things that can make things better, I'd appreciate that as well. Until next time, be safe, continue to keep pushing each other forward, and take care.